Y ahora, señoras y señores, la consola de reparto 1980X reanuda la radiodifusión. Buen trabajo. And now, ladies and gentlemen, podcast 1980X resumes broadcasting. Good job. Podcast 1980X surprised at uh, the confidence of your Japanese impressions. I don't understand how they're so good. I've watched enough anime. The Pac-Man Championship DX. Uh, that came out and I really like it, but I have a feeling that you'll have more to say on it because you really got into the first one, and you'll obviously be able to comment more directly as to the changes. And you don't really seem to be... You don't dislike it, but you seem to be kind of upset with some of the things that they changed about it. Well, it's really easy. <laughs> it is really easy. I mean, it's really easy. The achievements are... Uh... Well, the achievements are about as easy as the first game. But True. The, I kind of uh, wish they were harder, and I mean, I guess a lot of people complain, uh, or not a lot of people, but I was seeing people complain about the easiness, the ease of the achievements, and I mean, if you're, if that's why you're playing this game, then you're not playing it for the reason it exists. I guess, right? I guess. I mean, you know, you don't play pacifism to six billion for an achievement. Well, there was a lot of, um, <clears throat> whatchamacallit, there was a lot of talk about this game being really... Say. Well, I mean, I want to say that it's been westernized, um, which really just means in my lexicon that it's been made easier, uh, been made to appeal to a stupider audience, because that's that's kind of what it's, it's it has been. Um, you know, the 
video feature at the end where you can view the top uh, the top leaderboard scores runs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the game isn't really complicated or varied enough to justify a feature like that. Because, I mean, like in a game like Mujihimi-sama, when, where things are going crazy and every run through the game can be different. Right. Um, yeah, I guess that justifies some sort of record feature because sometimes players will stumble across a path or some sort of behavior that will, like, break the game. And, uh, you know, some people will see things that they've never seen before, but, you know, there's so little chance in this game for anything random to happen mm-hmm. that I, I just don't see the point in it. It's, it's like making a very, very easy game even easier. Or it, another way to look at it is that it's uh, cutting in, I guess I would say, like a third the replay value of the game because what little there is to discover can be just fast-forwarded to sure, uh, by watching one of these uh, videos. So I don't like that aspect at all. Well, I watched the I watched the video um, of the top person on my friends list, and he was ranked ninth overall in a, a five minute time trial, which seems to be the the mode that everyone's playing the most on Championship Two because it's the first thing you come across in the game. Yeah. So obviously, a lot of people aren't venturing very far outside because they spend you spend so much time learning the pattern progression of this board that right. like why bother going to another one? I guess. So I watched his, and then I watched the number one person, and it was the exact same run, yeah. just on the the guy who was ranked ninth. He just fucked up the pattern one time. Sure, like he yeah. kind of he met, you could see he messed up, or like a ghost just happened to not go the way he wanted it to. So he, and yeah, I mean, it's know, like, in the long run, he loses like ten seconds, but that costs him like the difference between like two point one and two point two million. Right, they're like online time trials for like a Ridge Racer game or something. Right. So you're I can just, see what you're saying where. It's not a. It's not a question of how far can I take this with all of the variables that are in place. It's almost like once you see that all all people are doing is just having like a particularly good run of the same pattern you run all the time. Yeah. It's almost like you don't even want to bother trying because there's nothing really to explore. You've already seen it. Yeah, I mean, it would be one thing if the patterns kept going for all five minutes and were different every time, and sort of like the... you didn't see a, a new one for the whole five minutes. Right. Yeah. And sort of the uh, no, you did. You saw a new one constantly. Is what I'm saying. Um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. You didn't see the same one. You didn't see the same one. Every, right. Yeah, I worded that wrong. So um, it'd be interesting if that was the case, and then you know would be reaching sort of like new plateaus. And like discovering undiscovered things, right? That's interesting. Discovering undiscovered things, <laughs> um, discovering these like new boards, and you know, trying their best to get as far as they can through them before time was out. Mm-hmm. But like you said, yeah, it's like those are the same like six boards or something, and so the pattern never stops; it just gets faster. And even the game speed tops out before the five minutes is up. So, right. um, the very beginning of the game, it's like the first thousand or something, maybe two, even probably more than that. Like the first. We'll say the tenth, tenth of the people ranked can hit the ceiling of the game. Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, just, I guess, c- control and maybe a little bit of luck at that point. The very beginning of the game and the very end of the game, so beginning game and end game, are kind of um, known quantities to players. Right. It's just the middle where things might get a little hectic um, and a little random. It's it's very strange. I like it though. I mean, I, I didn't play championship, <clears throat> and uh, I kind of want. A lot of people say there's no reason to, and I actually kind of want to now. I'm actually more vo- mo- more motivated to go back and play that one, uh, having played DX, just to really compare the differences. <coughs> yeah, it's a totally different experience. It's probably a lot more. Um, it's probably got a longer. It's gonna have a longer 
shelf life tail, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. More people will be probably playing it longer because, I mean, two weeks after this game's out, pretty much everything's been seen. Sure. And uh, I think that's kind of what they were shooting for when they made the game. They were, uh, which is why they appealed to that eating the ghosts mechanic with the, which is why they appealed to you with that eating the ghost mechanic. I was, you they, said like, it was more something. westernized, and for some reason that training thing feels like a western. Yeah, it's because you're just giving, mechanic, I guess. You're, you're really giving the game or, or the player um, really often a lot of positive feedback. Uh, sure. And, um,. I think it's because it's also it's an easy visual of like your skill, like your skill, like you've managed to rack up this. Yeah, money. but it really isn't. It's not yeah. an easy visual of your skill. It's because it's it's easy for anyone to do. Um, I what I kind of mean is, uh, if it was a really Japanese game, or if it came out at a different time, um, I would say the difference would be it would be possible to get that train going by players who have played the game for probably a year and a half straight. Right, you know, here right. this this that sort of experience is gifted to you right at the beginning. And the weird thing is, the train ch- uh, tops out at thirty. Yeah, I noticed that too. It seems like if they really wanted to make it difficult, it would have a much higher ceiling, if any. I didn't know that it did top out to, I, w- to where you can have like a risk reward thing if you're like right. training this ridiculous snake through the whole level. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's like they really, really simplified a lot of aspects of the game. Not to mention the fact that when you get near a ghost. Time slows down. That's kind of cool. I like that mechanic actually a lot. What I don't like is the fact. Well, I, what I do slash don't. I guess for this game it is better. Um, when you get kind of caught up in a corner, mm-hmm. when the game's moving too fast for the controller, right? Um, the creators sort of have given you uh, more leeway by the train of ghosts that's chasing you. Sort of slows down a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go play the other game, there's no leeway whatsoever. You have to be ridiculously perfect with your controls. And they slow considerably down if you're in a corner. Yeah. Maybe it's just my imagination, or maybe it's more noticeable. But, like, if you get caught on a straightaway, it seems different than if you're, like, in a corner. Like, they slow way down. Yeah, they stop. I mean, they really stop for... As long as you're immobile, they're immobile. Yeah. It's it's a very bizarre thing. But, yeah, I guess, obviously, it's made to make it easier. And it might make more sense in this game's... um, Considering this game's way of play. I hope it's only because Pac-Man is uh, <clears throat> I mean if they're as it seems with the Namco Generations thing it seems like a lot of their or at least a couple of their old titles are going to get this kind of an update. I don't know what that means. Like I don't know if DX is, if the DX moniker is like a, a name for a particular aesthetic that they're going to be using or if it's just to indicate it's like yet another version of these games. Yeah. Well, that's what makes me wonder what they're going to do with the Galaga one. Right, and what I was going to say is I hope for Galaga it's not quite this dumbing down. Oh, it will like, be I hope guaranteed. That, you think so? Oh, yeah, because Galaga was... Um, I mean, there were only two last time, but it was still the least well-received. It was... Uh, a lot of reviews sort of rode the, the Pac-Man actual... Uh, the Pac-Man CE laurels. And so Galaga, in, in a couple places, got pretty decent reviews. But you could tell the people who gave those reviews didn't really understand what they were playing. They didn't really talk mm. about... In, in, in other words, in all those reviews that uh, Galaga got a high score in, um, you could tell they barely made it through a like few levels mention, of the game. They didn't mention mechanics. That no, they never mentioned mechanics because they had no idea what they were. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, that was a very strange thing I noticed about the last Galaga. So I'm sure they're going to try and make it a lot flashier, and they're going to try and you know gift you those experiences um, the way this one does, which is kind of a bummer because I'm like one of the few people I know of 
on the planet that really likes that Galaga game. Everyone else, like on the Shmups forum, uh, you know, a pretty important community to Shmups, um, they all really dislike it. They say that it doesn't offer anything new. It, it's kind of more like a memorization trial, which, yeah, it is, but I dig it. And then that Aerocross game that they're saying they're going to make is really interesting because it's off of, what was it called, Metrocross? Yeah. Which nobody knew of, and I've never heard of in my entire life. And when I looked at videos of it, it reminded me a lot of Cannibalt. I mean, like a much more complex Cannibalt, but Cannibalt nonetheless. Yeah, it's a weird game that apparently has is not well-known. I mean, I'm only guessing from the way people have reacted to it. Um, I mean, going by the way the members of 8.4 react to it. I have to expect those guys are pretty steeped in the history of arcade gaming. Sure. And even they were like, I have no idea what this game is. I mean, it makes sense to bring it back if you're going to try and um, reach for that cannibal feeling that mm-hmm. so many games... That yeah. genre that that yet which is kind of sad genre. because I watched a video of someone playing um, what is it Met- Metro Cross the old the original yeah yeah Metro Cross and it has this really funny like ball mix well I was gonna say like the aesthetic is like this bizarre like like RoboCop future looking thing where everything's like really chunky and it like hard angles yeah and the guy looks like he fell out of like the Running Man yeah. He has, like, this goofy jumpsuit on, and you ride a skateboard, and you dodge giant soda cans. Very strange. Like, it just has this weird sort of 80s mentality to, or, like, look to it that isn't the neon and, and other things that have become popular that I really like, and I I doubt the remake will do anything with that. It'll probably be really No, because they're changing it to Aerocross, so my guess is they're going to totally get rid right. of the running mechanic, which is kind of weird. It just seems like they should really appeal to that cannibal... Uh, yeah, the name fever. like Aerocross. It, how's it going to be anything other than involves like flying? Yeah, in some way. I don't I mean. I'm, no, I understand. Yeah, um, but I'm still looking forward to that game. It should be kind of cool. I also think it's interesting that they have um, in-game sort of web pages. It is weird for the series. It's weird because you can't access that outside the game. Yeah, I was trying to find it today because I wanted to pull something from it. Very strange. But it's kind of cool in its own way. Very Japanese. And everyone already complained about the leaderboards in Pac-Man, so... Oh, yeah. I like it as a piece of art. But, yeah, as a game, it's kind of... I guess lacking. Or it's very short. I guess just the experience... very short. The experience with it is very short. You've downloaded Podcast 1980X. Are you sure you meant to do this? Reminds me of Fireball because that's exactly that how I exper- feel about Fireball. But the experience is very short. Yeah, I mean, Fireball doesn't really offer anything, um, or doesn't really take advantage of anything that consoles can do. It's like a really short. Um, I know you could consider pacifism short. Well, wait, let me explain. Uh, Fireball is a game by Radiant Games, and it's basically a ripoff of pacifism. Mm-hmm. Um, but. 
Yeah, I don't think it's as good at all. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the subtle depth to the controls or, or something about it doesn't appeal to me at all. Um, a lot of it has to do with the aesthetic, actually. But beyond that, I know there's something else that's bothering me when I play it that I can't quite put my finger on. I, and I think a lot of it... I was trying to think about what it was, and it seems to me like it's... It should just be a... I know it's only 80 Microsoft points, but it should just be a free game. It's so limited in what it offers. Um, some of the things that Radiant Games have made have, you know, they could have been able to argue themselves as, as full games. Like yeah. Joy Joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were so many levels in depth to Joy Joy, I can understand it being a game. Yeah. But this and that other game. Um, what was the other game? Crossfire? Not that one. Inferno? Uh, the racing one. The one that was more like Trials. Oh, Fluid. Fluid, yeah. Fluid was another game where it was like a really interesting concept, yeah. but it didn't have any depth whatsoever. Which is kind of weird because like if you had a <clears throat> if you were gonna do a timeline of like radiant games releases, you would figure like Fluid and Fireball seem like the first ones. Should have been, yeah. And then to me like Inferno seems like the last one. Right. Because it's by far the most fleshed out sure. and deep as in content to experience game of the series. And maybe that's the case. Maybe these this maybe fluid and fireball are earlier ideas that he's just bringing out now. Or maybe he feels like he just needs to come up with these new ideas. <laughs> I don't know. It's one or the other. Yeah, you're right. There is something weird about Fireball that's I don't know if I don't know if that aesthetic just doesn't fit that game type. Or if there's something slightly different about it that doesn't appeal to me. Or if I'm just tired of looking at it, because they all are basically like the same It yeah. looks like he made an engine that looks like that and he's, he's changing parameters about how the game behaves could also be more subtle it could be that I'm offended <laughs> in a weird way that it so blatantly does copy pacifism without doing something new to yeah like I don't doubt that its existence yeah totally yeah. I don't doubt that's possible on like a subconscious level I, I like pacifism so much you know what I mean mm-hmm I really want to talk about Comic Jumper, even though you haven't played it. I don't intend to, so I guess that would be okay. Man, that's really disappointing to me. <laughs> I, I still don't know why you don't... I'm telling you, that game is worth playing uh, in the same way that like a really well-written Telltale game is arguably worth playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's sort of hypocritical, because you could never convince me to play a Telltale game. Sure. But, uh, yeah, Comic Jumper is just really well-written, man. It's, 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 it's really worth playing. And it's really interesting, because... We are playing a lot of Sin and Punishment just now, and I mean, to be honest, uh, God, who developed Comic Jump? Comic Jumper? Twisted, Twisted Pixel. Pixel. Twisted Pixel. Twisted Pixel stole Ordin Steel. Um, sh- Comic Jumper shares a lot of the same mechanics as, as Sin and Punishment does. It tries to mimic a lot of them, like when you're um, like really complex boss fights, or mm-hmm. uh, where you're controlling the character on the ground in the air. Uh, you're controlling a cursor at the same time. Um, there's a lot of really cool scenes where the camera direction is really interesting. Like you throw a guy off of a building and fall down with him, and, and you're falling down t- 
towards the city street. The camera is facing up from the city street, falling alongside of you. And so the buildings are kind of, you know, on both sides of you, rolling by at really high speeds as they race towards the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're falling in front of the moon, and this helicopter's careening down next to you. <laughs> and the whole time it's firing missiles, and you're, like, grabbing things and throwing at it and shooting it while you're falling backwards. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and it does it, and, you know... That specific mechanic, that on rails mechanic, isn't pulled off too well in a lot of parts of the game. But it, at that instance, it's it's really done well. And they do this game where, you know, you play the first level, and it's his comic, and it's kind of on the tail end of when he's considered popular. So uh, they make the first level like a first level. Like it's not boring, but there could definitely be more to it. And interestingly enough, at the very end of the game, you get to play sort of a revamped version of the first level okay. that is, um, that's been made possible by all the money that he's earned doing these projects for these other comic books. <laughs> okay. And he's sort of like, it's funny because... <clears throat> so it's like in the fiction of the game, it's like a reissue or something? Where right. Where change some stuff? Okay. Yeah. The whole, the whole point of the game is that um, Twisted Pixel actually bought uh, the rights to him. <laughs> And has been like has been kind of selling him out okay. to all these other frogs. See, that's pretty jobs. funny already. Yeah, and no, like it's like, really interesting. As you walk by the the sort of hangar that you're in, right? You're looking out these big giant windows that you know, it, for all intents and purposes, it could be the giant telescreen screen from uh, the inside of the Technodrome. Sure. And uh, you're really looking out out of what I don't know. I assume a computer screen at like Twisted Pixel Labs. So, oh. like, occasionally people, full motion video, will, like, walk by this giant window. <laughs> and you can, like, have these, like, really brief conversations with them. Like, hey, you, you know, uh, I really didn't like that last comic I was in. And they'll just kind of respond to you in a snarky way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's really interesting. At the very end of the game, you replay through that first level. And Captain Smiley has sort of kept close to his chest uh, all the improvements. But yeah. they're, like, really dramatic and funny and interesting. And, of course, one of the last battles in the game uh, pays homage to the last encounter of Ghostbusters in the movie. So, I mean, as soon as I saw that, I was already digging a lot of aspects of the game. But to reference Ghostbusters, <laughs> is, uh, I, you couldn't really appeal to me more. Right. Um, Pete Venkman flying in on Vic Viper, maybe. Right. That would <laughs> probably appeal to my childhood more, but... Yeah, it's a really great game. I really think I really really think you should buy it. The achievements aren't that stupid or ridic- ridiculous. And Did it uh, not get really repetitive? No, it didn't get as repetitive as, as everyone was saying. Um, that's actually one thing that really bothered me about uh, like I think it was Gersman who was saying, you know, you shoot these enemies for too long. That was like one of right. his main complaints. He kept repeating it when he was talking about the mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. But um you know, when you're playing Dodonpachi and you're, you know, trying to destroy an enemy cruiser, you're having to stay focused on that cruiser for quite some time. Sure. And if you play through a game like Sin and Punishment, there are tons of enemies on the screen where you have to stay focused on them. I mean, there's a lock-on mechanic for a reason. Right. Um, you've got to stay focused on these enemies for a while and whittle away their health. And this game, to me, is a lot like that. You know, you have to navigate a lot of enemy fire while staying focused on other enemies. Sure. So I, I guess I never really had the problem that they did with how long the enemies took to kill because it was really just a matter of difficulty. And if, it was one of the the difficulty is one of the only things that breaks through the monot the otherwise monotonous gameplay. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like that's one of the only things that kind of saves the game to me. 
I think my initial my reaction to it when I played the demo at PAX was that <clears throat> uh, I guess maybe I thought it was going to be different. Like it was going to behave differently. And I guess just because it didn't, I, I don't know, I guess I didn't like it or something. But yeah, I mean, when you put it when you put the logic to it that way, where you're like, well, in a shooter, in a shmup, you're doing basically the same thing. It's just that in a shooter, you're expected to have to do that. Yeah. Whereas I guess I figured Comic Jumper would be more like, um, gosh, I don't know, just like more like maybe like Shadow Complex, where you're, you know, you're gunning guys down pretty quickly. Oh, I get what you were saying. Yeah. Um, I think it was uh, a really intelligent move on their part, but I don't think it appeal. I, I don't think that gameplay appeals to the same people that the, the humor. And the style of the game do. Yeah. You know, sort of like... So um, it's like a mismatch mis- mis- mismatch between what you actually do and like the type of humor that's actually in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it was just a beat-em-up, mm-hmm. it would make a lot more sense, but it would also be a hundred times more boring. Okay. So my opinion of it is that they sort of had to shoehorn in another type of gameplay. Yeah. And this made the most sense. And so they kind of looked at the best in the business at the time. Sure. And kind of copied their mechanics and style. Which is why I think it's a great game, because it emulates those, and it does it from a weird Western perspective. Um, it's definitely cool. And I mean, there's a, another scene that plays homage to the final scene in Jurassic Park. You're battling huh. this giant uh, skeleton of a T-Rex in front of a banner that's like waiting to fall at the end of the battle that says, when dinosaurs ruled the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> but it never does. <laughs> It's like sitting at the top of the screen. Oh, the, I do. I remember that from the demo. I do. It's yeah. sitting at the top of the screen the entire time saying when dinosaurs ruled the earth. It's and I'm already like, like half. It's like, already half tattered and yeah. ready to go and wait, like blowing in the wind yeah. of your battle. And I'm like, you know, when this fight ends, I want to see that fall, slowly yeah. fall down and billow by you. I wonder if that's. I wonder if they intended it. Like they knew they'd get at least one person going. It's gonna fall. And like it, 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 no, they definitely did. I, I can almost guarantee you because there are a lot of points in the in the game where they, they test a gamer's patience. Like, they will um, <laughs> stop in the middle... Uh, in between two levels, they stopped and had a review the reader's mails <laughs> section where they were kind of transported to this, like, white background and they were responding to all these really well-written uh, fake letters. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, a majority of the fans were comic book nerds and they them up pretty well. They lampooned them pretty well. Got yeah. them pretty dead on. Most of them sounded like the guy in the red shirt from BlizzCon. Oh, jeez. And, uh, yeah, it was just really interesting. And there's like a... I don't know, there's a lot of dirty humor in it. The game is pretty adult. I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty specific. Its audience is pretty specific. What with all the ghosts... Like, what with all the 80s references mm-hmm. and to um, movies and games. It's a pretty specific audience. You know, the way you describe it, and I, I don't mean this to sound like... <clears throat> like as buzzwordy or whatever as it might be or whatever, but the way you're describing it, it sounds like a really good blend between a video game and like a television show. No, it really. And then you're treated to like the game's really good, yeah. and then you're treated to an equally as good piece of entertainment that you don't interact with. Yeah, but it's related. I'm telling you, uh, I would I would honestly pay for extra issues. Yeah. The comic, yeah, that are in-game stages. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as they're sort of shoehorned into the game uh, with some humor and some dialogue, right? You know, like I actually care. It's one of those rare cases, and it's especially rare for me, 
um, where I care about the not not so much the story, but I care about the dialogue almost probably about as half as much as or not half as much, but equally. Right. It's how I how I feel or care about the gameplay. That's really a rare experience <laughs> for me. Um, but it's the case. It's a good game, but obviously it wasn't well received. I don't know why. you've been playing Super Meat Boy yeah how's that it's not it's not as hard as N plus well I want to hear what you think about that game um I like it. I think it's uh, I think it's particularly tough. But then again, I don't. I haven't subjected myself to a lot of really difficult platformers for a long time. It always feels like to me that you. I kind of go back and forth on it actually when I think about that game. Yeah, but that's what I feel. It's you're very strange. Sometimes you'll buy these terribly large games like Assassin's Creed Two <laughs> or Viking, and like you'll beat them in a few Viking. days, right? Right. But games where like. Games whose length is a known quantity, you like totally avoid. Yeah, like you know <laughs> that N plus is long because you can browse. All of <laughs> I can see what's levels. ahead of me. Yeah, yeah, and you totally avoid the game because of that. And you do the same thing with Super Meat Boy because you know there's like 300 levels and a dark world and like all this other stuff to do. But you like stumble headlong into these fucking ridiculous <laughs> games like Viking, <laughs> where I'm telling you, I'm like, listen, Viking is something else, man. It's it's not a small game. Right. The islands keep getting bigger. <laughs> you start to wonder why you don't have a vehicle of sorts. Right. Um, what are you doing? No, you're 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 right. And then the next week, I'm like, I'm done. Right. Sixty hours. I'm like, you played that game sixty hours in no, your job? Know. I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah, and I, you know what? It's it's really interesting because we can we can kind of talk about Vanquish a little bit, but not specifics. Because I bought that game the day it came out. I brought it home and I played it for like an hour. Because I forget why. It was like a particularly late day or something. And I played it for about an hour, and then the next day I played it for a little bit. And then I kind of dropped it not long after I bought it. And I was really thinking about why I did that. And for one, stupidly, and this is stupid to do for any game, and I don't know... I know why I do it, and I keep trying to break myself out of it. As I was playing it for... Playing it and trying to get the achievements while I was playing it. Yeah. So I was playing it in really stupid ways. To like do these things, uh-huh. and it was really having a detrimental effect on my enjoyment of the game. Oh yeah. And actually, just uh, just yesterday and today, I was playing it, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna finish this game so I can get done with it, so I can replay it right on a harder difficulty, and then do what I do whatever the fuck I want." And I, I immediately started having a lot more fun because that game is amazing. Yeah. Um, That's why I kind of wanted to buy it for the PS3. But I feel like, yeah. But I, well, to be on to in my assessment, the achievements in that game were pretty fair. Like not particularly easy, not particularly hard. But like sure, fair. but I almost don't want to be bothered with them. Yeah. But um. So I don't know why. I mean, I I almost 
I kind of ruined the game for myself for a while, and then I got sucked back in Demon Souls for countless God hours. Why. God knows why. <laughs> yeah, no, I know why. But. It's a really good game. But you're right. Like I, I, it's like you. That's literally what I did. Is I substituted a game whose length is pretty finite and quick. That game Vanquish is quick, and it was part of the reason was like, man, I don't really just want to burn through this game and then let it sit, which. I let it sit and didn't even finish it, so I don't really know what my th- thought process was there. And then I got sidetracked by another game. But yeah, you're right, I don't know what it is. There's something about the idea of being able to... of not knowing how long it's going to take, I guess. Yeah. I, I can know. see that. I don't know what that is. Maybe that's just like a grand deficiency in my brain. <laughs> Maybe. It's got to be tied to something, right? Why yeah. would I punish myself like that? Because right. it is kind of a punishment. No, it really is a punishment. Well, I mean, the same can be said for me. I just approach the punishment from a different perspective. Like, I just plowed through trials pretty much in one day, <laughs> not putting the controller down. And, you know, that's exactly what I knew would happen. That's why I haven't, I didn't buy it until, you know, two years after its release. Because I know it would literally obsess me to the point where it would handicap an entire day. And I didn't know <laughs> what would be happening the day that I bought it. Because regardless of what would be happening, I would abandon it to play this <laughs> game <laughs> and try yeah. as hard as I could to beat it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've logged 80 hours into Demon Souls. More than. It's pretty ridiculous. God, I love that game, but Not yeah, that's a way. lot of fucking time, man. To be navigating those dark hallways. Yeah, that's a lot of the reason I <sighs> don't do it. I mean, you're really exposing your brain to a pretty sad place. Yeah, I like it, though, a lot. <laughs> right. Well, well, man, it's. I know it's not good, but... Yeah. What am I going to do? I don't know. Slowly drive yourself insane. Like, play... I need to get back to finish my... I started my Let's Play of Shadow Tower. That's pretty interesting. But I kind of dropped it... Um, just because of work, and I was really busy. But I'm going to do it. And I'm like, I'm not touching it unless I'm recording it. Interesting. And that game is by far and away way more... Horror and... Depressing than Demon Souls. Demon Souls is just sort of is depressing. Shadow Tower is like downright like oppressive. <laughs> right. It's really it really presses in on you the atmosphere of that game. It's terrible. And it's got a more uh, horror feel to it. For anybody who doesn't know, which is probably everyone. Uh Shadow Tower is basically another entry in the Kingsfield series, although it's not really, but it's that game. But it's way more uh like horror like Lovecraftian or something. A little bit. It's just got... I mean, there's, um... There's, like, really dingy, rusty rooms with, like, skeletons in jail cells and stuff. And that kind of imagery just really isn't in the Kingsfield games. Right. It is a little sort of fantasy. This is just, like, really gothic horror uh, kind of style. Um, and it's got really bizarre enemy designs. And I don't know what's going on at From. That this is the kind of stuff... It's clearly... All those games clearly come from something. Those men are trapped. Or, or, yeah, I don't know. There's something underneath Frum's offices, or no? Those men are. There's just all one the really same. tortured man who's just influencing all these other men, and they're becoming tortured. Maybe, but I think, yeah. I mean, I really just think it's, it's sort like, of like we were saying. Treasure. You can tell what a treasure game is. Like oh they yeah, all, they all kind of have a thing. From has definitely and like got all of Kojima's games kind of have a well, modern, kind of have a similar look, um, and feel. Like from software though to a more the Kingsfield. Specific. Like, from is like Kingsfield, Armored Core, and I know I'm forgetting one other really big thing. That the occasional action adventure. 
that is basically the same game. I guess like the Otogi Ninja Blade from. Metal Wolf Chaos, they're all the same game in an interesting way. Sure. I mean, they all run and, the like, same the, engine. And like the Kingsfield branch of that company, that team or whatever, because I'm... I can't imagine all of these men are working on all of these games because their output is stupid. It's like tremendous. Right. Man, that's just really depressing. Like, I don't know what's going on with those men. Well, I mean, you know what's going on with them. They're just ruined, depressed men. I guess there's something... I mean, let's face it. There's something driving those men that, like... For some reason, they keep iterating on, like, a really core idea. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just like different variations of this really core idea. I think it's just darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds really yeah. generic, but, but I mean, but, really, um, you're, you're either more, you either resonate more with darkness in life, in life, or light in life. And yeah. I mean, like these guys, whether you say it's bad or not, they definitely resonate more with darkness, and sure. so do I, I guess. And that's why it speaks to me in a weird way. That's why um, all dark art appears uh, speaks to me in but, some weird way. But Shadow Tower kind of changes it up a little bit in a way that I think you would find pretty interesting. And I, I know nice. I told it to you, but I don't. Um, you didn't comment on it, so I don't know if you read it or not. But uh, Shadow Tower is basically it's it's Kingsfield, so it's first person RPG dungeon crawler thing. But it seems to be, gosh, how can I relate it? It reminds me of another game type, but I can't think of what it is accurately. It's almost like resource management in a weird way. So, like, you pick... Everything you pick up, everything you have to use at your disposal, you find in the Shadow Tower. Right. And you start with you start with a weapon, and that's it. Like, that's the only thing you actually have in your inventory at the start of the game. And everything from armor to weapons... Um, well, armor and weapons. And, like, rings and other, like, magical things you can put on later in the game. Uh, have a durability rating like they do in Demon Souls and a lot of RPGs. But they degrade really fast. So you're constantly having to sort of manage which weapons you're using and when. Like, if you have a particularly good one, uh-huh. you're like, man, I'm not going to use this on... I'm only going to use this when I'm in, like, a really bad spot and I need to kill things fast. Right. So I'll use this other thing and it'll just break and I'll get rid of it. Plus you have weight sort of thing, right? And you have weight. You can repair it, but the way you repair it is you... You spend your health, like currency... To repair your weapons. Weird. Like, in the weird fiction of how this universe works, that's how you repair stuff. Okay. And the blacksmiths that repair your stuff are not, like, very common. Like, they're not... You have to backtrack to find them. Sure, you're like, fuck, I'm you telling me that. You can find items... You can find a particular item that repairs everything you have on you, but there's a finite amount of them in the... In one playthrough of the game. Right. And you can find... Um, it has a souls mechanic, kind of like Demon Souls, but you don't spend them. Every enemy is worth a point value, and the point value adds to a total number, and that total number determines your health and magic points. Huh. So it's constantly going up. Okay. And different armor and weapons also affect that number. So, like, you can have a sword that actually gives you more health when you Strange. have it equipped. Right? And there's all... And, of course, like any From game, there's all these numbers you're managing. Of like right. stat points and magic resistances and slash damage, bat you know, uh, blunt damage, fire, all this stuff. So it's kind of like you pick up a sword, you use it for 10, 20 minutes in the game, it breaks and you ditch it, or you can trade it for an item at a vendor. But everything's really far apart. There's like one vendor for every zone. There's like one blacksmith for every zone. The zones aren't that small. It's just a really different way to go about it, to where you don't find. You're not, you're not looking for one weapon you keep for like 
eighty percent of the game. Right. You're constantly rotating the gear that you have on. I don't ever like that. And there's a slow there's a slow uh, incline of quality. So like you're getting better weapons and better armor as you go further into the game. But you're still sort of kind of cycling it out as it breaks and you don't you don't want to repair it, you don't want to backtrack to repair it, you just find something else or whatever. Item durability in games is my least liked mechanic, more so or less so than um, weight. It doesn't particularly bother... Like, in Demon's Souls, it doesn't bother me because stuff degrades pretty slowly in that game. Mm-hmm. And I've it's just in my behavior when I play that game to repair every once in a while. But for something like Shadow Tower, where they've made it, like, a point that you're having to wrestle with this, yeah. it, it would probably drive you up a wall. I but I just it. thought it was really interesting. It reminded me kind of more of, like, a... Like a side scroller, like a contra, maybe. Like you, have, like you get the spread shot, you die, you lose it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like you're kind of just picking up things, and it gets better for a while, and then you lose it, and you're like, "Crap, yeah. I have to struggle to find something else now." That is kind of interesting, I suppose. And there's but a. I'm telling you, usually that turns me. No, I'm, so it would probably drive you up a wall in this game. And there's a currency in the game called I forget what's called cumins or something like these little tablet stones you find. And there's only 99 of them in the entire run through of the game. Hmm. And everything in the game costs like one, two, five, ten of these cune things. Okay. So you can kind of plan ahead. You can look and see. Well, that thing costs this much. You should have played this know. game without knowing any of this, man. I only know it because I played it. So you know that there's 99 in the whole. Game. I don't know that. I, I that I read on accident. Yeah. Because it was like I I uh, I forget what I was reading. I was like, there's only 99 of them. I was like, that's really weird. And yeah, now I'm like, oh fuck. But there's a new game plus in that game. I thought that was really interesting. Like, you can just keep running through it and getting... You start the game with 770 health and 550 MP. Like, that in and of itself is pretty weird. Like why would, strange numbers, yeah. Strange numbers, and why are they so high? Yeah. Like, it, you know, from what you normally... It's like, you start an RPG, you have 50, pretty low health. 50, yeah. 100, you know? I'm like, alright. And I guess, in theory, you can... I only know this because I was watching a video when I was looking to see if anybody had done a Let's Play of it. I don't know what level this guy was at, but he had like 7,000 health. They must have scaled it backwards. And I was like, Jesus Christ. How long has that guy been playing? Because it, it goes up, but it doesn't go by a lot. But like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. From oh, like, like they had like a max and they're like... Well, they must have had some total... Some balance of total numbers. Right that um, made the game fair, or at least to the degree that they wanted it to be fair. And then they just scaled back from that to what yeah. seemed okay to start with. Right. That must be that must be the case. Yeah. It's an in, it's a it's a it's a game, man. It's an interesting experience. I like it. Um but there have just been a lot of games coming out that I've been playing. Well I want to play Baroque in the same way that you want to play this game. What's the Saturn game you sent me? Where the enemies were like 2D sprites? Baroque. Was it Baroque? It was like the original The Baroque. original Baroque. Yeah. Okay. Because the, the one you showed me was the PS2 one, right? That looks so depressing. It's like maddening. <laughs> Shadow, that, 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 like Shadow Tower is, pro- is very similar. akin to that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that seems like a nightmare. But it's it's <laughs> kind of an interesting place to... I'll, I de- I'll definitely enjoy seeing if those games click with me on some level because... Fucking um, <laughs> Baroque, man. Yeah. Definitely. That's like an assignment. Yeah, it is. You're really like signing yourself up for something, and I'm not doing any uh, pregame anything. I'm just gonna march right in, (laughs) sit right down. (laughs) 
So Super Meat Boy. Yeah. What do you think about that game? Um, I kind of oscillate back and forth between it. I don't dislike it, but the thing that bothers me about Super Meat Boy is it has nothing to do with the gameplay, per se. But the... For some reason, I, in my brain, my brain wants to put it in the same like room with like Scott Pilgrim, where it's like a thing that is so steeped in the history of video games, and like probably wouldn't exist if games didn't exist. Yeah, like it makes so many callbacks to other things. The most immediate being a N plus, N plus, but like even from copy. like like all the the intros to the different worlds. Yeah, all apes some game. So you don't like some that? of them games that because it's so insular. Apes. I think it just in, at first before I watched Scott Pilgrim, I I really wrote that movie off. And then I watched it, and I was like, this one, it wasn't what I thought it was, and two, I, it's actually pretty good. Meat Boy is pretty good too, but I don't know. I just feel you feel like it lacks um, mechanics. I feel like in, I feel like in lieu of doing something genuinely creative, they stood on the shoulders of giants and said, if we just sort of relate other things into this game. By nostalgia or kitsch, people will like it more. Okay, but I think the game is competently put together. No, it's very competently put together. Well, I guess then for um, a relatively indie studio, not that much more can be expected. I mean, that's kind of how a lot of... Even like Jonathan Blow, who's particularly pretentious. (laughs) Not that he's not correct, he's just particularly pretentious. I mean, most of the shit in Braid was kind of a almost an homage to Mario. Well, and he, I mean, and he said as much. I'm so. sure if I ever got got it together and tried to make a game of myself, it would be extremely derivative of things I've already yeah. played. Because what else do I really have to go on? Yeah. So maybe I'm just being really unfair. But I think the game's presentation is amazing, but the gameplay is not as interesting as everyone's making it out to be, nor is it as difficult. And obviously... Um, do you think it's too... Uh, this is a shot in the dark because of just from my experience with M plus as opposed to my experience with Super Meat Boy. Is it is it because M plus has all these factors of like physics and momentum? Yeah, I mean Meat that Boy are has more the subtly same. nuanced. Like Meat Boy is yeah. sort of like fling yourself at a wall and bounce yourself right back off the wall. Right. Whereas M plus is like I really have to take this angle at a certain angle at a certain speed. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to figure out the difference between the two, and when I think that I come across it, I argue out of that. I argue out of the discovery that I think I've made. And plus, just seems like a lot of math is going on behind the game. Well, yeah, what I mean is, like, if you... Super Meat Boy, in a way, seems to me like N plus just played at fast speed. So it turns into more of a Twitch game where you have less chance to um, decide on what you're doing. And that... In a way, I, my brain can argue that that makes the game easier, but then in the same way, my brain can argue that that should make the game more complicated than N+. And there, uh, do you know what I'm saying? Right. It's, it's yeah, kind of yeah. bizarre. I haven't quite figured out what the deal is, but the best I can um, understand is that because N+ plays so much slower, you have so many more chances to input. Uh, I guess direction changes. Sure. That the uh, amount of control you have over the character is just ridiculous. Right. And um, yeah, I, I guess that's the main difference for me. 
but uh, yeah, it's it's still a really cool game, and I had to buy it really quick. The thing they did with the sale for the launch was really smart to me. You know, it made me buy it when I otherwise wouldn't would have waited a little bit longer. Um, I dig that game a lot. I'm trying to think about it, it's like M plus two people can beat the same level at M plus in slightly different ways. Uh huh. Whereas it like it seems like levels in yeah. Boy, there's one way to beat it. And totally. That's the only way you'll beat it is to do it this one way. I totally agree. Yeah. Whereas M plus seems like you might have a thing where you're like, man, I didn't even think I could get the ninja to do that. Yeah. You know. I totally agree with that. Hmm. That's really interesting because M plus is a game that I have heard nobody mention in partner with talking about Meat Boy. What? Other than you. Shane Bettenhausen dislikes M plus's art style. I don't. I don't really. <laughs> I'll just never forget it. Like that. It's one of those things that my yeah, brain, but, like, in fury, bookmarked and was like, "Son of a bitch." So now I'll never forget that about Shane Bettenhausen, and I'll probably bring it up if I ever meet him. I'd be like, "Do you even know what you're talking about?" That and his remarks about Pixel Junk Monster being too Euro in style. I will never forget those <laughs> yeah, remarks. That is that is crazy. I mean, yeah, but he said M plus, plus looked cheap. That's that's what he said. Oh, and that boy. just bothers me because that's just like such a oh, arbitrary boy. way to argue against the game's graphics. Shut up! Without really meaning anything. Yeah, that's a really shitty thing to say. Yeah, like what what are you trying to imply? I don't understand. But it's like way. if you played it in like if you played indie game like these look cheap. Well, it's well, probably a kid in the basement, right? And like, what's he gonna do? Not that that's what M plus is, but. The guy who made M Plus probably wasn't really focusing on what the ninja looked like. Not only that, but there's a lot of artistic subtlety to M Plus that only artistic people will understand, I guess. And so that's why there's he a lot of interesting understand. things going on there, like patterns yeah. and symmetry and minimalism not... and negative space. And... and I mean, it's got one of the most fleshed out um, front ends and a character that's really emotive, despite having no face, no voice. Yeah, does nothing except die. He doesn't even like. There's, I don't know. He does a little guitar rock pose sometimes at the end of the level. That's you about know, it. Yeah. Headstand. You are listening to Podcast 1980X. Something is outside your window. I did play a game that was interesting called Fane. Fane 2. Um, and it's Fane? Like Fane Death? Like he, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a browser-based game, and it's really minimalistic. There's like three colors to the, th- to the whole thing. Hmm. And um, that's kind of its gimmick. You're, it's basically a maze crawler, so it's kind of doomish, but it's um, obviously right in the browser, and... You can't really do anything but navigate these mazes. So it's first person? Yeah, and you collect quote-unquote bodies to win the game. So you basically have to collect nine glowing bodies that are um, tucked away in this bizarre labyrinth um, before you win the game. Uh, What the game starts doing, of course, is... um, Well, there's there's two really interesting things to the game. Uh, The first is that when you play the game, within the first few minutes... uh, you notice that dimensions within the game mean nothing. <laughs> so you approach like a 10 by 10 wall yeah. and walk inside of it, 
but once you're inside of it, you can only see what's in the hall. You can't see what's outside of it. So reality relative to the outside doesn't really exist anymore. And the hall can actually go deeper than the building was wide on the outside. Oh, jeez. But you can't go back once you... No, gone. you can go back. Oh, jeez. It just sort of rewrites reality. It seems like a, it's like Doom... <laughs> it seems like Doom with, like, clipping mode on. Yeah, yeah. It sort of just rewrites reality. But, like, not glitched, your, I guess. Depending on your point of awareness. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And um, so that's interesting in and of itself. But since it's only two colors, it starts doing things where... Um, you'll come across what looks like a room that's totally closed off. Mm-hmm. But it ends up you can just walk through one of the walls because they were spaced... Uh, because the opening in the wall was spaced... It's like Labyrinth. Remember the beginning of Labyrinth right. when she's trying to figure her way into the Labyrinth? Sure. And she realizes that there's So there's like a hallway that goes across, but... Right. Because of like depth. Perspective, right. And perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So basically, <laughs> what you're trying to do in the game is navigate this maze and deal with um, solving those really weird spatial puzzles. You know, figuring out where you can go that you didn't think you could go next. And then you find all the bodies and, and the game's over. But it takes like weird. five minutes. But it's really minimalistic and dark minimalis- minimalistic. Kind sure. of like uh, Res meets THX meets... <laughs> um, so is it line art? Like vector line art? Um, no, it's... Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's just it's, it looks like it's just really simple like polygons because mm. there really isn't anything to the game. Um, what's the word? I can't even think of the word. There really isn't anything to the game but the mazes. Okay. So really, you're just working with square polygons the entire time. Okay. Um, when you meet the when you find the bodies, they're just sort of asides to the game. Right. Um. So it's got that like portalish feel because everything feels so plain, and you know, 1984ish because everything seems so totalitarian. Only because it's lacking any sort of detail. And right. You can't infer any emotion in there. It's just really bizarre. So I dig it because of that. But it's also really well put together. Like the way the game is framed to begin with, when you first load up the game, the title screen is um, framed in such a way that it could be a box shot but you can just walk your way into the game. <laughs> and that sort of thing is really interesting to me because that is the future. Sure. Did you play, really you quick know? as an inside, did you play the polynomial? Yeah. Is it, is there, when you say like it reminds me of, what's that? I don't like that game at all. It's barely a game. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. thing. It's like a thing. It is a thing. It, when you said that it reminded me of, like, I thought it was clever that the the first level... The instructions for the game. Oh, we're in it. Are in are like physically in the game. Yeah, that reminds me of Star Fox. Um, when you're shooting the credits. Oh, that sort yeah. Of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same, but it does remind me of that for some sure. reason. Probably because you're in space. Um, but this one's just really well. Uh, it's artistically done, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, that game's really cool. I don't really know what else I played. You know, I played a really interesting caravan shooter that someone put out, this development team put out for the NES um, just recently. And for the NES, I mean they did, they basically made a ROM mm-hmm. um, by dissecting parts of other shmups. And by caravan, it's just one of those games like Star Soldier that goes for a few minutes and you have to repeat the run to see how high you can score. Okay. And, uh, God, I wish I remember the name of it. It's like Blade... 
bullet blade <laughs> zone zone blade zone bullet I, I really wish I remember the name of it but it's pretty darn interesting if there's a way that I can edit it into this like a robot voice yeah I'll try it if I remember to look it up I after will. the fact that'd be a really plaintive sounding like teletype robot blade buster that's a really interesting game it's particularly interesting because it makes me wonder how much potential there is for me to start programming for a Nintendo emulator. Right. I really don't think it would be that difficult. And I figure that's as good a place to start. As good a place to start as any. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Oh, speaking of Halloween, you played Constant Quest, which I can't bother to play for some reason or another. But did you like that game? Um, I really liked Constant Quest a lot, and I've thought about it since I've stopped playing it. Did you get all 200? To make sure... Yeah, it's really easy. It's an easy 200. Um, what it lacks in... Well, I should preface this by saying I'm not a big fan of Tim Schafer. And by that I mean I've played very few... I, I've played hardly any of the games he's worked on. And what I have experienced I found not very appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, like, Tim Schafer is... I kind of look at him as, like just another version of Ron Gilbert uh-huh. and that it's a sort of like his sense of humor and what he wants to do with games is not something that I want to see or experience right it's like if someone gave Jack Black an intelligence hat sure you know that yeah his, his being extrapolated out to a more intelligent person would but, produce this sort of thing but what I read this is going off topic a little bit but it, it kind of informs what I'll say I was reading an article in EGM um the latest issue and they talked to him it's just an interview with him and the way he seems to be running his company now I really I really like what he's doing and Costume Quest is part of is one of four games that um, as a company Double Fine had like a had like a two week period where they divided the company into four teams yeah and each of those teams had to come up with a concept and a completed game to play yeah. at the end of those two weeks. And some of them, he said, were just more like tech demo-y. Some of them were actually complete little games. But from that, they chose four of the best ideas. Because I guess they did more than four. Four of the best ideas, and that's what became Costume Quest. That's what became just for announced stacking, and that's what's two other games they haven't revealed yet. What do you think about that stacking game? Uh, you know what? I haven't looked at it yet. I keep you look at a video to- of it? I've only seen the screenshots of the little Russian dolls, and for some reason I just haven't clicked on it to look at it yet. It's got a really weird rendering uh, engine. It looked weird. The, the The still shots of it looked like um, looked like shots you would see in like a like a college student's portfolio of like yeah, totally right. I rendered this, and totally. look how good the lighting is on it. Yeah, it's, it's really alien because it's, it's Russian dolls sitting on the floor of like a museum. Totally, yeah. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. <laughs> it's also um, really um, rendered in a way that it looks kind of... Well, I don't know. Like It, it reminded me a lot of Toy Soldiers in that um, they, they managed to portray the smallness of it. They managed to render the smallness yeah, of it. Yeah, it has that thing. weird sort of... Um, like when you look at a thing and you know it's like a miniature. Sure. As opposed to like yeah. the actual setting. Yeah. Yeah. The um, so anyway, I I like that. I like that he's doing that. I think that's a really interesting, an interesting approach. And I think he is understanding that for someone like him, 
for what, I guess for what he's been trying to achieve with like Psychonauts and Brutal Legend it's probably not something that will ever be successful ever again ever again no. and then that they weren't good I don't I hate those games and uh, I, have, I don't know anything about Psychonauts other than the he worked on it and supposedly it's really funny but yep nothing about it appeals to me in the slightest that it's hilarious <laughs> That it's really brutal legend looked, looked like a mess, sounded like a mess when people were talking, and I was never interested in it really to begin with. So, Costume Quest is not a Tim Schafer game. It's a double fine game, but he, as far as I know, I'm sure he had some input on it, but for the most part, it was the creative lead was Tasha something, which is bad. Uh, but she was chiefly an illustrator, but this was like her idea of like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a game where kids wore Halloween costumes and they turned into what the costumes were? And that's mm. basically what the game blossomed into. Um, Great idea. What the game lacks in mechanics and depth it makes up for in charm and nostalgia. So if you've ever been... It's like comic jump. If you've ever been a 10-year-old kid in America at Halloween and gone trick-or-treating, this game will have something in it that will at least make you, if not laugh, just kind of smile at it and be like, yeah, I remember that. Right. I remember doing that. And like thinking that sort of way. Uh... It could be something greater if they fleshed out the mechanics. It's really simplistic, and it's actually kind of like they took a page from um, Final Fantasy XIII, where the the costumes have different sort of roles that they play. Oh, yeah. Like, one costume is a vampire who can attack, but his special attack is a healing spell. Mm-hmm. And you have to build his meter, so to speak, to use his special attack. Like, you attack twice, and then you can use the special attack. Right. And, like, that's his special ability. Whereas, like, another costume special ability, like the pumpkin, um, will attack all enemies at once. And, like, the space warrior will attack one enemy at once with a high damage attack kind of thing. Right. But you can't change costumes mid-battle, but it kind of reminded me of FF13, where you have people playing specific roles that are kind of hybrid. Like, everything is a hybrid. Yeah. And you get these cards, or these stamps that in the lore of the game you're, you're putting stamps on your costume to like make it look cooler and then give you certain abilities like auto counterattack when hit. How long or is the game? The game was uh, maybe eight Tab. hours. Okay. That's kind of a long time. That's longer than I thought it would be weird. And uh, the only thing with those stamps is like some of them are upgraded versions of others that you get later in the game but for the most part you'll probably stick with like four. You know? So there's kind right. of a lost okay. depth there of like it, it probably boiled down to people just thinking up things of like, what other kinds of things sure, yeah. could you do? Let's make a stamp for it. And right. not really study its relevance or use. Right. Or okay. effectiveness. Um, and everything's all Halloween themed. They all have like goofy names like Creepy Ghoul and Scary Cat or whatever. I forget. And uh, the dialogue is really well written, I think. And I'm kind of sad that it wasn't voice acted because the tone and the language used was so, like, well done that I could, like, hear voices in my head saying it. Isn't that better? I would hate to... I, I mean, I guess if it, if it was voice acted and I was like, oh, I hate this, then yeah. But I guess I was really struck by how how emotive it was for being something written. Is there noise? Like... No, there's nothing. There's, like, See, no noise to indicate that someone's talking other than just, like, the word bubble coming from their that head. It seems like the kind of game that would benefit from noise... But not actual speech. Words. Yeah. Like Zelda or Animal Crossing. And I think, I mean, that would be effective too. You just have like a, a noise for the dads, like a deep one, and noise for the kids, right. or a, a high pitched one, or whatever. 
And, uh, yeah, it's just a really charming game. It's really well written. Uh, it has a cartoony style that for the mo- I thought I would hate. Like, it didn't appeal to me at first. But it's okay. I mean, I could kind of go either way. It's not something. It reminds me of Animal Crossing, for better or worse. Um, I don't think it looks yeah. like Animal Crossing aesthetically. I, I'm just saying it reminds me of it. I guess I could I could see that. It kind of reminds me. Um, it actually kind of reminded me of like someone, and this is probably true because I looked this girl up, this Tasha girl after I played the game because I just wanted to see where like what her background was. And other than finding out that she's probably somebody I would never get along with, uh, she's I think she's like our age, and it seems like she probably grew up really like really watching The Simpsons. And like oh, really taking cute. her artistic cues from The Simpsons, that's and then cool. kind of going off a little different. You know what? Now that you say that, that's really interesting. I can kind of see what you're saying. If I showed, you I think it was. I think it's the way that the that evening is rendered <laughs> in that game. Yeah, that's part evening, of it. Evening, you know, there's like a few rare early Simpsons episodes where evening is rendered. Like one of them, I can um, think back to was uh, when everyone's taking the. Um, tonic that makes them hypersexual, yeah. And all the kids are sort of left to their own devices yeah. every night, yeah. You know, as the as the people go inside, and Millhouse is trying to explain it with some drawn out conspiracy involving DARPA and the right. Rand, Rand Corporation <laughs> and all this bizarreness. But uh, yeah, like when all the parents are uh, disappearing into the houses, yeah. at night, yeah, it's rendered color wise just like that. And then also in the nightmare. I don't mean to get too specific, but in the Trias of Terror, Trias of Horror, where Willie is, for all intents and purposes, Freddy Krueger, right? They render evening in much the same way. So that's interesting that you say that because I wouldn't have made a connection unless. Yeah, you there's said a, there's a. I mean, you would you would probably say it if I showed you. There's one um, particular Gremlin character that shows up. It's like a stand-in for monster. Like you see it, and it just represents that there's a battle there, oh, okay. kind of thing. Like when you you'll hit them and they'll be they'll say something, and then you go into the battle and what you fight is randomized. Mm-hmm. But the character you engage with in the overworld, so to speak, in the regular game world, is like the same character sure. everywhere in the zone. Which is I don't really know what they were doing if if just to sort of make it a random thing that you couldn't tell what you were going to fight. That's kind of a video game device. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, this one particular kind of gremlin character looks just like a Simpsons thing. Hmm. Like, it's got big, round, spherical eyes and, like, kind of a fat head and, like, pointy, almost like Lisa Simpson hair, hmm. but, like, not... It's, like, two pigtails as opposed to, like, a bunch of little spikes. And just in general, I guess it just has a weird, like... the 80s that the Simpsons used to have. Yeah. It's a good game. It's worth fifteen dollars. Uh, I'm really happy that they're doing that Christmas DLC because everybody was like, "You could really extrapolate this to a bunch of different holidays." Yeah. What What is the Christmas DLC? I don't know anything about it. It's uh. So in the in the in the story of Costume Quest, the basic story is either your brother or sister is kidnapped and you play as the opposite sibling. You pick, and monsters from this monster land are trying to steal all the candy because for some reason the ultimate like boss of this monster world runs on candy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like really it's just kind of silly little story. Creep. The DLC is you go into that monster land uh-huh. and do something, and I don't remember why. Like they, I don't, they haven't really revealed why, but that's where you go, and it's Christmas themed. So I'm assuming they'll probably play on, you know, those kind of tropes. Hmm. 
And they did a good they did a good thing a good job of playing on Halloween tropes with the costumes. Like none of them are particularly specific. There's a knight, a robot, pumpkin, cat, witch, vampire, you know. And the way they sort of interpret what those things are in battle is really interesting and fun. Yeah, that's what I would like to see mostly, to be honest with you. Um, aside from the costumes themselves. Like, for instance, there's one really funny quick example is like one of the costumes is the Statue of Liberty that you have to obtain to sneak into a Halloween party that's like uh, it's like America themed and the special attack of the Statue of Liberty heals um, heals one target for like a lot of health and the animation is like the Statue of Liberty like jumps into the air and her eyes glow I've seen this and she like whips her torch into the air and then like an eagle shrieks and like just like (laughs) shitty JPEG like purposely shitty eagle like JPEG like streaks across the screen and like Abe Lincoln's face flashes and like right. an American flag is like waving in the background. This is the kind of game that I wanted <laughs> to make before I understood the limitations of Flash in 2000. Oh yeah? Like I remember conceptualizing <laughs> fighting games that were as absurd and, and featured, you know. Yeah. Similar cutaways. And, yeah. That's that's cool. That's really cool. So that's a good game. And it's an e- I mean not that this is a motivating factor but yeah it's an easy 200 and uh it was eight hours, and it should have been eight hours. It was exactly as long as it needed to be. Bienvenidos al podcast 1980X, por favor, no toque nada. Gay came out. Yeah. Did you? Did you? Uh, you didn't buy it. No, but there's a big uproar because of the. Uh, there's always something. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's really all I have to say about it. The Schmups forum, if if you believe this, was complaining about an aspect of a game. Oh. Um, it didn't match the arcade. Very out of character for this particular forum. Um, uh-huh. I almost didn't even know what to do <laughs> when I ran across this. Was Megalixir in this thread? Um, undoubtedly. <laughs> I don't, that's like I told you, I don't follow that form very specifically because uh, I don't want to get caught up in it. If any form is more scary than Neo Geo, it's the Shmups form. Uh, yeah, it's scary in a different way. You know, yeah. uh, Shmups is the THX 1138 world. Yeah. Underground Neo Geo is not world. scary anymore, by the way. That, that form might as well close its doors. But... Used to be a pretty scary place. Yeah, it was. Neo Geo used to be kind of be Escape from New York scary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. What yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the inmates running the asylum. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, I played it. I didn't really shell out the money for it yet because I didn't really feel like getting into the scoring mechanic. And you've never really liked I don't it really either. It. No, I don't really like it yeah. too much. It's got that very. Uh, it's just steeped in a lot of Japanese tradition. In the same way, certain levels in Sin and Punishment are that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, where it just it doesn't speak to me on 
Uh, it's just an aesthetic that doesn't resonate with you, yeah, particularly strongly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really. I mean, I'll eventually get it and try to 200 it since they're relatively easy. I read, but I'm in no rush. And the game looks really cool to me. The amount of work they did for a, an XBLA port is really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting to, to find out that there is as much work into a $15 downloadable game as there was into an $80 import and a $60 or a $60 limited edition or whatever the hell I pay for Death Smile. Yeah, totally. Because um, it functions exactly the same way with all the different yeah. th- parameters and everything. And, and modes uh, and stuff. You know, especially interesting when you think about the fact that they're releasing that... Uh, that Doranpachi Daifukatsu DLC, Black Label DLC that I was telling you about earlier, the retail copy for something like, I'm pretty sure the equivalent of $70 to $80. Um, or at least it will be marked up to that by importers. Sure. I think it's more priced relatively, I think it's priced more towards like $50 US dollars. Um, but um, Kate's kind of all over the place. I think you're going, we're going through a period with that company where they're uh, trying to figure out just what works. And it's like I said uh, to you earlier that I-, I guarantee they're starting to recognize that some people will play an absur- will pay an absurd amount yeah, for a pretty small amount of content. <laughs> you know, that they have a lot of gamers by the ball, so to speak. Sure. And since the arcade market's kind of dwindling, they're going to have to make up for the ridiculous prices that they were charging for the PCBs. Right. Somehow, and my guess is it's going to be extremely limited uh, special edition. And this way, they basically well, they don't, they don't, they don't entirely, but it's a little more so. They kind of remove themselves from falling victim to the resale market. Yeah, definitely. You know, someone buys a a Katsui PCB for fifteen hundred dollars, and then sells it to somebody, and that person sells it to somebody. And it just seems to be that's kind of how those boards get around. Uh huh. Yeah. It's not four people get from Cave, it's one person buys it and then three other people get that copy eventually. Yeah. Which, there's nothing to stop someone from doing that with a, a 360 game, but it's since it's less of an invest, it's less sure. of a thing to get passed around. It's like, totally. I bought this and it's on my shelf. Totally. And in Japan, there is no used games market, so... Like, you don't trade anything in. Right, you can't. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, and it's, uh... It's, it's a really interesting tactic, I guess. Uh, business tactic. It's, it's dangerous. Yeah, it's to consumers. Like it's dangerous for Cave to find out just how much their shit is worth to people. Right. That's that's <laughs> that's totally the problem. That's totally the problem we were talking about earlier because uh, someone is going to pay a ridiculous amount for something. At which point they already do. We'll all slide down the slippery slope towards ridiculously priced games, and uh, yeah. And it's still interesting. And we're to both watch. speaking as, as both people who got sucked into the Neo Geo scene. Yeah, that's and the played, really <laughs> and played exorbitant prices for games. That's the really and didn't have a problem with it then. And looking back on it, I, I probably still don't have a problem with it. No, and that's how we both. Part know. of me still will look at copy of a Mar- will look at a copy of Mark of the Wolves and go, yeah, maybe. No, one day I will again <laughs> own at Metal Slug Three AES. That's like one of those games that I would yeah. just put above my fireplace if I had one. Yeah. Um, but no, it's because we were a part of that scene that we understand that. Um, anyone will pay anything for a game that they've hyped, that's been hyped up amongst the community enough. You know, there were ten-year-old kids in Texas buying three hundred-dollar AES carts because it made them someone on this forum. Oh yeah, that yeah, meant yeah. nothing. So I mean, we're perfectly aware of how crazy people will get for this stuff and how how far they'll go money-wise. That's what's scary. 
Yeah. That's what I think gives us a unique perspective on the matter. That kind of happened to the Neo scene. It oh, yeah. More, SNK yeah. did not necessarily, but two enterprising men and their company knew how much people would pay to be owners of Neo Geo games and basically extorted a bunch of people out of yeah. money. That's why the Neo Geo scene was so interesting. Not not only that, but the Neo Geo <laughs> scene was the first... Um, pretty much, I think, the first place you found a market kept alive by a consumer. Um, it was the first time I became aware that, like, games could be... could, like, transcend their existence as... Um, I guess a toy, or as a as a product, just to buy an experience. Like there is a whole world of wheeling and dealing and sales and prices and things going on. Yeah, you know, that really had nothing to do with the games. It was more just about making money and. And I mean that you know, was I'm a user, like I'm trying. To, that was the probably the first user supported. Uh, software company. No, you're right. Yeah, that's a pretty well, at least a, a good example, a yeah. large example of it. One of the first well, large I mean, examples. A kid at the time, a kid in Tennessee, became the U.S. distributor for an entire company's output of games on a system. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> very strange. Very unique. Yeah, but yeah, that's dangerous for Cave to to finally. And I'm sure it's not a question of that they didn't know. It's probably a question of now can they? I don't want to say get away with it because it really sounds evil. But I guess, can they do it? Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what that... It, I mean, they'll get away with it. People will pay it. But I don't know what that means for things like, uh, you know, Gwange being $15. It means that my goal of only collecting shmups, as far as collecting video games mm-hmm. goes, just got a lot more expensive. <laughs> than I ever envisioned it being and I always envisioned it being really expensive. Yeah. So and now more so. Now we're moving into like levels. how yeah, like I will man. be competing with a character like the multi billionaire in contact for certain <laughs> copies <laughs> of certain games. Yeah. Uh, anonymously over some BBS somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of You're gonna be competing going. with like software engineers who have thousands and thousands of dollars at their disposal in a basement full of cabinets. Pretty frightening. <laughs> but then again, it makes the catch all this week. Was it the... Was it Cave or Treasure? I think it was Treasure because it was... I'm pretty sure it was about uh, Bangayo HD Fury. Mis- what the fuck is it? Missile Fury? Missile- yeah, something. It's Man, Bangayo it got cancelled and I set it to the back of my brain. Next year I'll be excited for it again because I've basically stopped caring about it because it's not this year. Oh yeah, I've turned off my want for that game. But too. um something you said when you were just talking reminded me of I'm pretty sure it was that one. Be- yeah, it had to have been. The uh whoever they were speaking with at Treasure, and I don't remember names because uh speaking to Treasure is like speaking to a tribunal of men. Sure. Each with a different identity that shifts the next time you see them. I'm <laughs> right. sure. You know, like with Cave you you know Asada is the guy. Uh-huh. He's the guy who's he's the president and he's the face of the company. Treasure, I don't remember. And uh, Nagawa, I think is and the I'm, face. I'm, I'm proud, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'd rather think of Treasure as just like a black cube with no doors <laughs> or an octahedron. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. There's no conceivable. There's no obvious way in or out of this structure. Yeah. Um, was saying somebody asked him. Um, God, it might even been a, a Ray Barnhold thing. 
asked him why did they keep why are they sticking with the 360 and they said well the 360 in Japan is the place where shooter fans go sure I just thought it was really interesting that like you and I have always talked about it but I'd never seen a company just say it like well this is where the shooters are yeah I don't think they did and I don't know if there's a particular reason I find it interesting that the system that no one buys in Japan is where the games in the genre that almost nobody plays goes (laughs) It's one of those really, uh, I don't want to say serendipitous, just very strange things that comes out of uh, the video game industry. You know, it's. I really think that, um, well, Worshmup's more popular. I think it would be a, a more interesting or more known or more talked about thing. But that is really one of the dynamics I've ever, either of us, I think, have ever bore witness to in the games industry. That uh, dynamic with the Jap 360. Another one, and, it, and another one that's happening the same generation that blows my mind, and I can't quite wrap my head around it because it seems like this oxymoronic thing that somehow exists nowhere in both places at once. <laughs> How is it that if you're sort of hardcore and you live in America, you're importing Japanese games, and if you're a hardcore player in Japan, you're playing Call of Duty. You're playing Call of Duty. Yeah, I don't get it. Something either. doesn't add no, up. No, it there, doesn't at all. But it. At the same time, it makes perfect sense. It's like this... Well, yeah, you're like, of course it is. It's this bizarre paradox that someone should name. It's the childhood logic of, like, well, in France, they do everything backwards. You know, they kiss and don't hug. It's a paradox. Name it. (laughs) I mean, really. uh, It is really weird. Before someone else does. uh, Yeah. It's very strange. I wish someone would f- document amongst... Like, go find the 1980X of Japan, where they're talking about Call of Duty and importing American games. Is it viewed the same way? Like, is this sort of this weird, like, secret club that no one ever, like, you just sort of stumble into? You know what I mean? I don't... Like, here, it's really not... There's really a little chance that someone will go, like, how do I phrase this? God. You know, we're going to go to somebody's house and they're going to be playing Gwangi. You know what I would totally be like, what is this, man? Like, I don't know, it's this game. And then, like, this whole world is. Well, it's kind of weird because I know what you're trying to say, but uh, I've kind of been made privy to the fact that the people who like this, who likes, who like these type of games in America. Yeah are sort of gathering more often than I thought they were. <laughs> and uh, I'm just not one of just them because I'm s- not as social. Just and not I, in the state? Yeah, just not in this state. Um, that too. You kind of have to uh, gather. You're sort of gathering. You're pulling your resources together like any struggling organism uh, trying to confirm that you're sane <laughs> for liking this shit. Yes. By you know shaking hands with a bunch of other people who agree that it's still okay, because I mean look at us, we're talking into these microphones and broadcasting right. it out yeah. across the internet, and every day I hope that <clears throat> someone's going to listen to it and say you're right about the things you say, <laughs> because the longer the podcast goes relatively unnoticed, or at least, <laughs> or at least our audience remains really quiet, right? Um, the more I feel like a schizophrenic who everyone's afraid to tell. He's going a little crazy. 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 Watching Nico Nico videos <laughs> after I set up that annoying account. This is very strange. What is that? 
Like their YouTube. Oh. You know how sometimes you'll get a Nico Nico uh, link in like the gaff and you can't click it because you're not a member? It's like YouTube, but they require you oh, to be a member. Oh, <clears> yeah, YouTube. yeah, yeah. Well, there was some video on there, and I forget what it was, but I'm, I'm pretty positive that it was a shmup um, that I just had to see. And so I went through the blind process of, of registering. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's a very strange thing to, to watch those their version of our YouTube. You know, <laughs> the entire time uh, the video plays, any moment can be footnoted on screen with giant text. So when you watch these videos, there's just scrolling ticker tape text <laughs> of kanji that I do not know what the hell it says, um, and a bunch of exclamation points. And these are just like uh, user comments that people yeah. are putting into it. Yeah, and there's like that a sounds messy. It is messy, and there's there's sort of like a chat room feature, kind of like how UStream has. How uh-huh. you can you know how you can stumble into a UStream like right after it's shut down and still see the remnants of the chat. Sure. That's kind of what like every video is like on there. You know, it's got this. It's live like chat. The, the the last twenty seconds of this conversation that happened a month ago. Yeah, it's like it's like comments in YouTube, but just a little, a little stranger, a little more removed, I guess, from some, from something that seems normal. Oh, you were going to talk to me about your experience with Connect. Yeah, Connect. It's kind of a joke. <laughs> it's more so a joke than I ever thought it was, and that has kind of been confirmed via that video of uh, showing the Connect corrective driving. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you were going to tell me about a... They said there was like a 10-year-old girl playing it or something? No, there was this 10-year-old boy playing this, oh. the, the bowling game, and he... You know, his father was buying a 360, and he was just off to the side playing Connect. And me and my girlfriend were watching him. And he literally just walked up to Connect and got, I think, five or six strikes in a row. Oh, yeah. And he was looking back at me and my girlfriend, totally incredulous. Like, <laughs> it was, you know, I couldn't tell if it was, I couldn't tell if it was, I'm so good at bowling, <laughs> or this thing is so broken. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't tell if he realized it, like I did, Yeah, that there really was nothing to it. And that kind of sums up the whole Connect experience for me. I doubt now I ever did before that any developer will be able to mine out a relatively hardcore experience from that device regardless of how many other imports are used, or not imports, inputs are used in unison with it. I really don't think there'll be anything that interests me coming out of Japan or anywhere else, coming out of the moon, coming out of Mars. Someone (laughs) from Venus could drop off a game. I would not be interested in playing it because there's so little depth to it. And something that's really interesting about Connect is I was at someone's house for Thanksgiving, uh, family's house, and I asked the kind of father figure what he thought about Connect, and you know he doesn't really—he's kind of a mainstream father and watches TV, but doesn't really know much about video games. And sure, he tells me that, uh, and that's why I was interested in his opinion, obviously. And he tells me that most of the people he knows are totally aware of Connect, and uh, but none of them believe that it works. Yeah, they're yeah. all basically. In other words, like the older generation is kind of seeing something that they just do not believe works, and they're kind of approaching it with a wait and see attitude. He says, "Yeah, most of my friends are kind of just watching it from a distance, saying wait and see if it actually works because it just looks too incredible." And I don't think that was something that uh, I predicted. I don't know if that was something that Microsoft predicted, but it seems like that's definitely something they should or they have to combat. I don't know like how the they perception would... that it's so, it's it's such a um, 
they're asking there's like such a leap of faith that yeah. people don't even think it actually does what it supposedly does totally and that and that works almost opposite yeah, the for way yeah for reason that doesn't even I can't that's, that's really alien to me too what's that that someone would think that like instead of instead of saying this is amazing this is amazing or it's almost like the opposite way of like that seems so dumb like all you're doing is just flailing your arms it's like no that looks too amazing and I don't think it works the way that it does right it's the opposite of what I suggested would happen (laughs) which is that Microsoft would kind of take the same route Nintendo did by creating this experience that had to be experienced to understand right and that people's curiosity would drive them to buy it sure it's actually too incredible for that uh, to take place and instead what's happening is people are avoiding it because they think it's like a snake oil show weird very strange. That is very strange. And he's like, what? Is that that guy was like in his 50s, 60s? I would say he's like 50 years old, right? Mm. The a couple of uh, a couple of the of teachers where I work, who were probably in their mid 30s, were talking about it one day. I was like, walked by, and like I heard them talking about it. I was like, okay, weird. So I was just kind of listening to them talk about it, and they were like, they were kind of like what you were saying is they they all wanted to try it. Uh-huh. And they all sort of the same way I hear people talk about the Wii, who were not gamers, and then talk about the Wii. Like it was almost the same conversation. It was just Connect instead of Wii. Yeah. And I was like, I guess it really is just hitting that pull, that vein. And I mean, um, my girlfriend knows relatively nothing about video games, and when she saw the uh, what's the sports game called? Do you know off the top just, of your head? Uh, Connect Champions. Okay, so once she saw that game. Think. One or of the first things sports. she said was, "So the same people that made the Wii Sports game made this game." Oh yeah, <laughs> and I said, "No, no, they're just uh, they're just kind of copying it for the sake of capturing the market." And she was like, "Well, that's really ridiculous. They should go for their own style because it would appeal to me way more." And then actually, she was watching Move, which was right off to the side, and was mm-hmm. like, "Man, those graphics appeal to me way more," which was really interesting to me. That just... I don't know. Yeah, Move's I, just been, like, swallowed. Yeah, it doesn't even exist at this point. I what, mean, was, really. what was on Move? Was it the, the sports thing, too? It was the fighting game. Oh, boy. Right? She was like, yeah, these graphics just appeal to me way more because they're more realistic and they offer something different, I guess, is what she was trying to say when she was saying it to me. Which is, t- again, totally not what I kind of expected the reaction to be, but I guess it's logical. Uh... People are probably sick of the sort of aesthetic that the Weep, you know, puts out there. Oh, yeah. Because it, it is an aesthetic that's really inoffensive, but at sure. the same time, it doesn't take any risks and it doesn't have any personality, so you can't deal with it for, you know, more than a few years without getting tired of its lack of personality. It's like, well, at this point with the, the at least the Kinect games, it's like studied... Inoffensiveness, yeah. Like the music, like the music in, yeah. It's all like uh, party jams of the yeah. that you like play at like some forty year old's birthday party or something. It's 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 a it's uh it's oppressive in a weird way in the in the way that McKenna suggested that uh the world would sort of move into this hell <laughs> disguised behind white plastic. Yeah, and we wouldn't even really understand that we were trapped in that hell, and because it's been made to look so inviting. 
that's really the vibe I get from most of the Wii and um, it's starting to get that point. Like especially when I saw the that commercial for Wii Party, and it was like the hip commercial with the DJ. Oh, that and was, was like, brutal. Games are in the back room. That, that was, was the whole brutal. like love story between the guy stealing the girl from the boyfriend. Yeah, that was brutal, man. I mean, that was brutal. that was to the point where I actually, like, my brain did at least had a reaction. Where I was like, "This is like offensive to me." Yeah, no, level. it's almost it's almost like, you know, when you watch the not old, even as a gamer, just as like a person, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like speaking to you <laughs> as if you were a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a lot of ways, the commercials that are out now for video games are way less sophisticated than the ones that were out in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, we look back on those commercials now with nostalgia, but, uh, with nostalgia and fondness, but we still lampoon them for being ridiculous. I, like, I, I understand and appreciate those commercials in a way that people who didn't grow up with them can't, but even I understand that they're kind of ridiculous and stupid, but they're no more ridiculous than the shit that's coming out right now. In fact, I'd argue that they're way less ridiculous, because at least then, I was... Be- as a child, because I was a child. Yeah. Now I'm being spoken to as an adult, like an infant. Yeah. Uh, I don't really. Yeah, it's just dramatically <laughs> offensive. I haven't seen. <clears throat> I mean, I don't. I don't have TV here, so I haven't seen the Connect uh, or the Move commercials. Actually, I've seen very little. I, uh, I've seen very little advertising for either of them. No. Yeah. Other I, than I, other totally than agree. the fact that Connect has just been shoehorned into. Uh, Burger King and Burger King and Ellen and Oprah and it's smart. Some I mean no, it's real smart. <laughs> and it's it's achievement point smart. Yeah, it's the kind of cutthroat smart that you really but I have was to like, be afraid of. Oh my of. god. Yeah. Like it's it, it's not even we have a product buy it. This is like I feel like I'm being attacked. Well, I mean, the uh, weird- at least I would if I watched all this stuff. I'm just sort of passively looking at it like, "Oh man, look at this dumb thing." You'd like to think that our generation not my parents' generation, our generation, yeah. is wise enough to uh, see this for what it is. But um, it's almost like instead of being outraged by it, we're just kind of letting it slide by um, under some sort of exception to the rule, you know? That even though it's offensive and treats us idiotic, mm-hmm. it's okay because video games are sort of assumed to be this lower thing, this lower art form, this lower form of entertainment. Yeah, okay. And yeah, that's I, that's offensive in and of itself as well. It's a yeah. pretty shitty situation, man. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, the, the the quote which I thought, or that what he said was, I thought was really it's a good quote you could put somewhere. Maybe it was like. You know, Microsoft's budget for Connect advertising was five hundred million dollars. Well, you could sell a bag of shit for five hundred million dollars. Yeah, would buy it easily. That's too bad. But it's pretty much what we predicted. I think. I'm going off really. Man, I feel like I. I feel like I lost. Because because it came true. <laughs> no, I feel like I lost. <laughs> no, that that's funny. No, <laughs> I feel like I lost big time in my predictions. I I sort of expected. You know, it's 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 really funny. I guess the difference between then and now when I predicted the things that I did was that I viewed Microsoft as this kind of up-and-coming energy in the technology world, and Mm -hmm. now I am starting to notice that they are a very slowly sinking ship. And really, the only thing they have going for them is is Xbox. Almost everything else they touch, they ruin in a myriad of ways. Yeah, ruin or 
handicap out the door. Yeah, it's it's dramatic how fast they're becoming uh, obsolete in this world. And um, you know, where once I saw Connect as this like oppressive uh, omnisensor inside your house that sort of recorded everything that you did. <laughs> um, I'm not quite so sure if I. I'm not quite so sure if I see that uh, that happening now. I guess it could, but I don't know. Well, I mean, we did make have such little faith in that company. We we did make the prediction that they were going to go hardcore on the. No pun. They were going to go pretty hard on the family route. I mean, and as far as I can see, and it's it's really rubbing me the wrong way because. uh, Well, for one, I've I've rearranged. My living room a little bit. I bought a TV. I've got a separate TV from my monitor now, and I didn't before. Oh, did you rearrange this so you could do that shit? No. Oh. Are you sure? This is how I came up with this layout. I was like, how would I get Kinect into my fucking apartment? Right. And then I thought about it, and that's how I came up with this configuration, but that's not why I did this. Okay. Sounds uh, like that's why you did it. Even well, no, I mean, I'll admit that that's how I got that. to it. <laughs> okay. That's how I got to it. I was it, When I was pondering it. I, I was like, man, I would really like to experience this, but I don't know if I can. No, I don't want to. But uh, now that I've kind of had to separate some of the things that my computer did for me on a giant screen into some of these console devices, uh, the PS3 is way more amazing a device than the 360, what I can yeah, do with it. I know. It's sad. Like, I can stream my, my media server. I can do Windows Media with the 360, but it's a pain in the ass, and I don't like it. It's kind of ugly, too. With the PS3, all I, I can run a media server and just browse files. Literally like I'm browsing the structure of my computer. Perfect. And it looks great. They run every time. I'm streaming 1080p movies to my PS3. It's ridiculous. Perfect. It's a great thing. Netflix looks better on it. Does it really? 360? I think so, but it could just be me wanting to say the PS3 is like still the black tie Neo Geo system of the 3. Yeah. You know? Um, and aside from PlayStation Store, Sony's really taking care of it with that device. It does so many great things, and it works. It, for the most part, it just works on a lot of stuff. And I kind of feel bad that they're still riding on this, like you were like saying, your girlfriend was saying. Uh, the was it the fighters uncaged or whatever fight, the terrible whatever the is. I don't remember. There's one for each, and I forget what the fuck they're called. The fighting game for Move it appealed to her because it was more, and she thought it was different. You know, she thinks it's different and more interesting than the Wii aesthetic. Uh, Sony's really probably still is still riding that ours look better yeah more realistic and our control is better because you're not just flailing your arms like an idiot they're still riding that line really hard and I feel like they're riding it straight into the ground further or like squat so why is that is it because the majority of people are stupid what's that so why is that is it because the majority of people I, are stupid well like, like I think why will, the, why will the Kinect sell more than the PS3 is I it think install it's, based it's, it? it's still it's probably install based Marketing? and it's just that I think the PS3 comes off as really intimidating to some people. I think so, too, to be honest with you. And, like, what I was going to say is that Microsoft is starting to rub me the wrong way even more because... To the point where I kind of don't like turning on my 360 because I hate the new fucking dashboard. Mm, you hate the dashboard? I like the... I like, I like the look of it, I, I like guess. the actual structure of the way things are flat now. But I hate that it... Somehow it still just exudes this, like... We redid this for Connect, and right. like the website, when you go to Xbox Live, it's all Connect. Like every, yeah. everything has the purple Connect treatment to it, and everything like yeah. that. And they rearranged everything on the site so that more idiots can use it. To be honest, 
It's way it's tr- it's trying to be more idiot proof than it was, and in and in doing so, has made things more difficult for me. It has made because now more shit's difficult. buried. It looks better, but it, it definitely doesn't work better. And like the PS3 is now like this thing where it's almost becoming. It's not this drastic, but it's like the 360 is do- is going Apple, and the PS3 is still is like going Windows. Ironically, man, the PS where it's like the PS3 is like a utility, and I'm like I can just feed shit into this machine, and it's just going to do. Which what is I why want. it makes sense that the new PSP whatever would go with Droid, sure, because that's like a perfect it's, analogy. It's, it's more like a tool that I use to yeah. do things that I want with it. Whereas the 360 is like it's a very you can do like two things with this. What did we say earlier about a portable PSP in it that would make it successful? If they went with Android, there was some other aspect that we posited. Is it Flash? Oh, earlier tonight. Yeah. Yeah. If it's if it supported Flash, downloadable Flash games. Yeah. One, if it supported Flash, period, would be pretty cool. And two, if you could somehow. Yeah, that's right. You said if it would if it ran Flash as like a platform, it's like a viable way to run executables on the device. That's kind of insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It's an insane idea. Podcast 1980X. You remind me of my father. I hated him. The thing about mm, the Xbox is that it's it's kind of just a little too shitty in the same way that America is shitty. <laughs> like it's being run into the ground with uh, under commercialism, under the weight of commercialism. There's like a lack of almost any artistic integrity anywhere on the system, whether it be in the design. Like every aspect of the system is bowing down to the dollar. Like whether it be the design, the games... Well, the fact the name that, of it, the I, fact I just, that with the dash update, there's burgers in my face everywhere. <laughs> like I just don't get the. Fu- it's really, it's really distracting. The fact that with the dash update, they effectively hid indie games. Yeah. Until everyone was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Very strange. And they, the way they handled it was like, due to the overwhelming support, it's like, no, you fucked up, and people, you didn't think yeah. people were going to notice somehow. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where I think. Achievements will, in one way or another, live on without Microsoft's help, because they're so important to so many people. So I'm really considering people just, will begin to write APIs that aggregate all of the scores. Yeah, guaranteed. Sure. So I really, I don't know. It's like I want to abandon ship because the PS2. I mean, PS3 trophies have point values assigned to them. They just hide them, but they have values assigned to them so that you have that progression through the levels. Right. And if like someone could, if Sony would allow people to use that data and if Steam assigned points to their achievements or someone wrote you know someone somewhere could write a program that assigned point values to Steam achievements and pulled that data right and as as soon as someone has the service that aggregates all that information into one score that is popular enough to matter then it's over I hope it's not the overlords of giant bomb because they'll run the fucking country into a heart attack or a stroke. 
but it unfortunately it seems like they're the they're the furthest in that race. Yeah, that's what's scary by far. Jesus. But yeah, it's it was the same. Uh, what was it? Something I was considering buying on PS3 just because I didn't want to play it on the 360. Vanquish for me. I mean, that's what that's what it came. Vanquish down. almost because it was the lead, supposedly the lead version. Yeah. But then when I saw that there was like no difference between them, I went ahead with the 360 version. But uh, oh, thir- uh, thirteen and Residents of Fate. Oh. Both of those, I was like, I kind of want to play those on the PS3 just because. What about near? I don't want to fucking deal with. Would you? No, more? I was still on three. It's it's only just recently that I've been kind of like, man, I don't know if I like the 360 anymore. But I mean, would you import the uh, different version of Nier to play through it just to see what it was like visually? Oh god, because you know it works maybe. right off the bat. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I could e- I could even do it now because I know what happens in the game, so I wouldn't. I don't yeah. think there's any English in it. If there's I, not, I wouldn't be confused because I've already beaten it, so I know what happens. Right. It I always wanted to experience. I always wanted there to be a Japanese uh, PS3 game that I could import. That's pretty much the only one. And that's pretty interesting to think of its entire in its entire lifespan, five years so far. There's only really one game that I want to import for the PS3. That's did you get crazy. that? Uh, that is you, crazy. Did you? Yeah. Did you get that? Um, wait, I'm, you just you just you sidetracked me. That is really crazy. Yeah. There's like especially no, comparing it. There's to like PS2. nothing because all what 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 is there to choose from? Like Dynasty Warriors games. Yeah, you it's, know. it's very strange. Um, Musou games. Uh, did you get that fucking... Oh, what's it called? That download game that looks like Nier and Bayonetta and like eight other games rolled in. No, I didn't. Mia... Mia Kurage? No, no Mia Kurage is that fourth dimension game. <laughs> what is that stupid oh, game yeah, called? Yeah, 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 yeah. Boy, I don't know. Um, oh, wow, that's bad. Why would I bring that up if I can't even remember the fucking name of it? I did it earlier, don't worry. <laughs> Um, <gasps> but you didn't get it? I didn't get it, because even for me, the controls seemed like too much of an investment to try and learn. Did you watch a video? I did. I watched several oh. streams of it, and I listened to people struggle with the controls. Ins- I mean, insane amounts. It seemed very difficult to even bother with. Yeah, and there was a Justin TV it. stream of two guys playing it. that seemed, And one of them spoke Japanese. Mm-hmm. Or read Japanese, at least. And they, even then, they were like, I don't really... It was definitely done well, and it's sticking to that weird, uh, that Japanese aesthetic that's kind of starting to bleed through into the games of, um... God, that look, that aesthetic, I, I really like it. I dig it, too. It's like a spiritual THX 1138, third time I mentioned it this podcast. But, like, by way of, I mean, it's like medieval. Yeah. We, I don't no, know. No, but I mean, I mean like that, like, did you see how you navigate the menus? Oh, how yeah, you navigate yeah. the world you're yeah. in that like white room with yeah. just doors and I don't know there's a, there's a lot of that abstraction in uh, in Japanese games and it, it really speaks to the video game medium more than uh, the western games speak to it malicious malicious there yeah. you go yeah that game looks really interesting but supposedly it was it, it might get an English release but I don't know if that was somebody's wishful thinking or if that was actually a thing that someone with the power to ha- make that happen said do you remember that game Exception that we talked about a long time ago and you downloaded? The yes. weird That's getting an arcade release. That's really weird. Isn't that strange? That makes me think that it might uh, get a, a some kind of platform arcade-style release. That's like really strange. PSN or XBLA. 
I wonder if it'll be like PCB or are they just kind of like a PC inside of I a don't cabinet? know. I mean, most arcade hardware now is kind of a PC inside of a cabinet. Right? Like the Type X and stuff. So, uh, yeah. That's really weird. Interesting. I'm really hoping for a, an XBLA port of that. And also, um, man, I wonder what ever happened to that Revolver 360 game. Yeah. I really want to play that more than a lot of games. Yeah. And it's just That's the fucking... <laughs> what's that game called? That's the game that looks like Buxelios. that Boxelios game. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Boxelios, <laughs> the real game, though. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. A lot of games have sort of faded. Eskatos. Yeah. By Q. Yeah. That game looks amazing. And I, I guess I just wanted to bring that up, because... We were talking about it earlier. It looks like Border Down a lot to me. Yeah, well, I mean, the backgrounds look a lot like Border Down, but when we were talking about it earlier as uh, its aesthetic representing a sort of weird combination of an extrapolation... Well, no, kind of an extrapolation of uh, really old-school shooters yeah. into the graphical ability of technology now. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty unique-looking game. For as generic as it looks, I know that's kind of a paradox in and of itself, but it's it's, it's very sort strange. of in the same way that for some reason I don't like playing it, but for some reason I like the way Xevious looks. Yeah, and it's supposed to play a lot like Xevious too. I think from what I read, that's really interesting. Just like that really, almost like archetypal, like river and forest. Yeah, going beneath right. you. There's not, right. Yeah, they're almost just like symbol, like symbols of yeah. themselves. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, I don't like Xevious very much, but I like the way it looks. Even just the weird, like, polygonal enemies yeah. that are, like, literally a polygon just twirling toward you in space. I dig that. It's great. I'm I, I'm so excited to see that aesthetic being... Um, Used. Yeah. I was yeah gonna say, applied. Yeah. Because um, it seemed like that was the natural course of things for a generation, um, for our generation. It seemed like that's what was going to happen, but, um, you know, you see games like Just Cause 2... And the uh, most other Western games that just chase, chase this like insane hyperrealism. I was kind of actually worried that we would never return to the weird, simplistic, symbolic video game traditional language. That shit's gonna get buried, though. Yeah, I mean, it might get buried, but it to be like Doomsday Sayer. But you know, we don't. It doesn't need to be as successful as anything else because no. Because of what it is, yeah. But like you were saying, you—I mean—and I—I think of this every time. Every time another game like this comes out and fails, which it inevitably does, you're like, "Is this the last generation we'll see like a near?" And it has nothing yeah. to do with the fact that Kavi has been absorbed into another company. It's just that eventually those companies are either going to start making games that appeal to more people, or they'll be out of a job. Or because where will the money come from? Well, I mean. Or they'll have to go further down the ladder, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think it's going to end up the way that we were talking earlier with these niche companies developing niche games for rich motherfuckers who have, <laughs> who have in a way, become dependent on the um, the behavior. The very uh, specific way that those Yeah, the way that those games, games like, phase the into brain. their life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's it's very much like a drug, and because it's like a drug, it's going to be very profitable for those companies. Maybe not profitable. It'll be easily exploitable. And uh, yeah, yeah, like that's 
definitely where I think Treasure's gonna end up. You know, it's a couple dark-suited men <laughs> sort of mastering the lives of these really rich, dependent, obsessively dependent people all over the globe. You know, getting the, them to contribute really large amounts to these projects that they develop. Yeah. That's, that seems to be the future to me, and I guess that's probably where I'd like to end up with games, me personally. I mean, I don't really care anymore how recognized the games I like are. I mean, as long as I get to play them, I'm starting to realize nothing else really matters. Man, I don't know. I've been really... Man, I've been really down on Western games lately. Well, I mean, I For really haven't part. played a great, a good Western game in a long time. I mean, I guess you can you could consider Meat Boy, but not really. Yeah, it's not a Western style. I mean, it's, it's almost <laughs> Eastern because it's it's aping the style and the yeah. gameplay that's been made popular. I don't know that I would necessarily consider Trials a Western game. Do we even talk about Trials? Yeah, I explained how it ate my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't call that a Western game, I don't think. The kind of thinking that they're asking you to do, what they're asking of you in that game, is not something I associate with Western gaming at all. Oh, no. It's way beyond. Which is which makes it all the weirder that it's wrapped in this, like, motocross slash, like, jackass rock motif. I mean, you say I, that because you know... Jackass is in it, right? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say. Otherwise, that's very coincidental that you said that. No, and for some, no, I saw, I saw like the promo videos I did for the DLC, and I was like, why the fuck are these guys doing these videos? Yeah. And then I read more about it, and I found out. But it's just weird that, like, like you were saying, the audience that that game appeals to is definitely not the kind of, are not the players that enjoy that kind of game. Not at all. It's a really weird mismatch. Yeah, uh, we already talked about that before because I had played enough of it to, I think, register my opinion on it, but I didn't own it. And I own it now, and I only just played it tonight, but I played it for probably a good two hours. That game's really fucking good. It's amazing. Not that I didn't think it's it would be, but goddamn, that game's really good. Amazing. It's got there really are good levels. I mean, there's not a single part of it that's bad. And levels. <laughs> and levels of genius in that game. That I am... I'm, I'm more convinced than anything else in my life that are going by totally unrecognized because the people who are playing these games, reviewing these don't games, talking about it. these games, they're totally missing it. They're totally missing it. They don't see it. They don't get far enough to even see it. Yeah. No, it's... it's Sin and Punishment 2 is maybe one of the most amazing video games ever made. Uh, it, it In a lot of ways, maybe not from a straight-up design, uh, and I'm talking about uh, graphic design perspective, um, just visual design. It, it might not top Bayonetta, but in terms of gameplay design, I really am pretty. Uh, I, I, mean, I feel I, good saying that it. If it I even wanted tops to be Bayonetta's mechanics, if I wanted to be picky, I would say that Sin and Punishment's overall art direction is a little generic. But that's it. Yeah, a little bit. You know, I'm. Like compared to like a Bayonetta, which is very focused and very studied. Weird. I don't know how you can say that though after playing what you played tonight. Like I understand. I, I guess I kind of understand what you're saying, but the characters traveled Ma- through time space and on their way stumbled into some evil entity's dream 
But I'm talking art direction purely. Like yeah, that, but, like but that enemy, forest. Yeah. Just it just looked like a forest, like a Japanese forest with spiders in it. Okay. Like it wasn't generic is maybe the wrong word. It's obviously not the right connotation, but like what about the bosses? The bosses feel like. Uh, well, what about the castle in the sky? The, well, okay. So fucking, the game feels like the culmination of Treasure's work up until this point. Yeah. Every okay. single frame of that game, something is in it that calls back to something they've done before. Every, every but one with, of their games But without is like regurgitating that. it uh, one-to-one. Every single one of their games is like that. Alien Soldier 2 has backgrounds that look exactly like Gunstar Heroes backgrounds, which look exactly like Blade Runner, which look exactly like the first level in Sin and Punishment 1 in the Nintendo 64 <laughs> game. There's like... Uh, there's there's an aesthetic that flows through all their games. Um, probably as constant as anything would a game you and I were to make. Sure. Um, it's something, though, that we talked about before. This game does look different in terms of the front end. It's like a different person started working on the team and kind of contributed his own ideas to it. Yeah. There are a lot of subtle Which aspects. I don't, in a way, it's really... I like it because it's so... Until you... Like if you didn't tell person. any... If, if somebody didn't know what Sin and Punishment was and you didn't tell them anything about it other than it's a game where you shoot things and you handed them the, the box and maybe they looked at it and went, okay. And they put it in the game. Even at the menu screen, they'll gonna they'll have no fucking clue what's in the game. Yeah, and I kind of like that in a weird way because you're just like, wait, what's gonna happen when I hit new game? Me too. Maybe okay. So generic is obviously the wrong word to use because it's not. At least to explain myself, I don't know. I think it's because the game looks so simple. When you say maybe it's simple, when you say bayonetta, I consider that art to be very specific. Uh Like it's all very much tied into a very specific look to convey a very specific idea. Maybe like Whereas Sin, Sin, Pun- Sin and Punishment 2 is not specific. Yeah, there's no... Um, what's the word? There's nothing constant about it, I guess. Maybe it's, that's it. But, I mean, there's something about that that I like. Like, that castle in the sky looks like every castle and no castle. But I At like the same that. time. No, I like it too, but that's kind of what I'm trying to convey, is that, like, in Bayonetta, a castle looks very much like a gothic witchy hard, curved edges and moon imagery castle. The castle in Sin Sin and Punishment looks like a castle I made out of Legos as a kid that is impossible to exist. Like, columns that don't need to be there and, like, I don't know. It, It has all of the trappings of what a castle is made of, but it looks like no castle I've ever seen before. You know what that is? You know what that is? I know. <laughs> you know what that what that exactly is? It's like when you would go through a world in Sonic 2, like Chemical Plant Zone, uh-huh. and you would say, what function do any of these ramps <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah, loops yeah, even okay, serve yeah. in the game? Yeah. It's just extrapolated to like the third dimension. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just like this bizarreness there because there are all these elements to the worlds that don't need to be there and serve no function whatsoever. I remember thinking that to, more with... Uh, just to be, just as a funny aside, the the oil level, whatever the, I forget what it's called, oil ocean. Yes. Do, 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 do. Yeah, where I have yeah. all these like disparate platforms that aren't connected to anything. They're just like, floating in the sky. Of, like what kind of fucking oil refinery? They're is losing this? so much money every <laughs> second. There's just oil pouring into like nothingness. Yeah, yeah. But like, if you ask somebody what, like, if you asked 
me, what is it? I'd be like, well, it's an oil refinery. <laughs> right. But right. No, no oil refinery that has ever existed or ever will because of it's totally impractical. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know if there's a word specific for that. But yeah. Video No, Sin and Punishment 2 is great. It's amazing. And I haven't even finished it. For more, go to www.podcast198text.com. Thanks for listening. I love you. You have reached the end of this episode of Podcast 1980X. Turn tape over.